the Talent Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. And I'm here today with Jane Tang. Jane, you there? I am. Hey, Jane, thanks for joining us today. I'm super excited that you agreed to participate in the show. And uh, you've had a great history in the space from Dignity Health to Fortuitous to Johnson & Johnson, you know, on down the line. So you uh, are long tenured. Do you have some scars by your own admission, but you also have some successes. So do you mind giving the audience uh, a little bit of your background and you know, how you got into the people analytics and HR space? Sure. First of all, let me thank you for having me today. And I guess in terms of background, uh, my early background was in HR. And um, I happen to have had the great fortune to work with some great companies uh, and culminating in the CHRO role for a 50,000-person organization. And in that role, uh, it actually is a business that started about set with 17,000 and in five years grew to 50, doubled in revenue, and I probably saw more changes and more acquisitions in that company than many see in their lifetime. And then um, left the HR space, co-founded a company called Fortellus, which was the first automated, fully automated human capital analytics company in 2000. And that really handled a, a lot of what we see today as traditional HCA analytics. And in 2002, that was acquired by Deloitte. And I uh, traveled the world actually implementing that and helping to solve uh, business-based solutions. Um, then in 2009, um, I started reflecting on what went well, what didn't go well, looking back at M&As and other things. Uh, underperforming business units and um, launching new products and really realized that a big challenge is execution, that executing business solutions is where we ran into challenges. And when we asked the question, what, what were the core variables behind that, nobody could give us an answer. Huh. So I launched research back then. I'm sorry, did you have a question now? No, I said, wow. I mean, it's, you're absolutely right. I mean, linking to business outcomes and, uh, you know, the evolution of the space as I'm listening to you, it, you've obviously seen a lot. The maturity of the solutions has evolved significantly. So you mentioned 2009. You, what was the action that you take? Is that when you started uh, doing the initial research for Pearl? Yeah, we, we uh, launched uh, kind of self-funded research with a couple of profs from my post-grad era, which was at Pepperdine. And we were fortunate enough to hook up with 40 of the highest performing companies um, in the world. And um, these are companies that had substantial financial performance over multiple quarters. And we essentially lived with these teams for two years. And the effort was to, f to really find and understand what we called the hidden variables of execution. And we found 20. And um, from that research, a couple things happened. Um, for, for those uh, folks that are in HR that are on, on the call, I look back now and re would rewrite 50% of what I did 
as a CHRO because those solutions could be augmented or improved substantially based on what we learned. Wow. I think for the line people, I would say there's an easier solution to getting performance in an organization. That's what we learn. That, in fact, execution um, is an interesting challenge because we really don't understand the variables and therefore aren't measuring them is what we learn. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you a question now because you are certainly very experienced. As you look at your past – and I asked the question, what percentage of business outcomes do you think come from teams today? What would you say? Do you think it's high or low or medium? I, I would say it's it's high. Um, you know, there's a lot of research that points to the executive leadership driving economic value. There's a lot of work on the individuals. But uh, one of the things I think that's been underserved is the the role of teams in driving process outcomes, business unit outcomes, overall organizational outcomes. So, you know, I'd like to see, I'd like to think it's teams, but I, I frankly don't know. I, I haven't seen much research that proves that point. How about you? Well, our, our research says that 80 to 90% of all business outcomes come from one form or another of teams in high-performing organizations. Wow. Okay, so the three forms of teams we looked at are functional, cross-functional, and virtual. Because we also saw that in the last five years, there's been an acceleration of cross-functional virtual teams as a source of solutions. And there are a lot of variables as to why that's occurred, but that's what we saw. So when we found the 20 variables, we started asking questions and looking at measuring the 40 teams of 40 companies. And we saw an amazing correlation. So we narrowed the 20, feeling that that's way too many. And our interest was to look at the few that would have the highest probability of predicting future business outcomes from teams. So getting moving from measuring to predicting, and then from predicting to changing outcomes. Hmm. So what we did was we looked at these uh, 40 companies and we looked at their financials revenue and net income as an equalizer and the reason we had to do that is these companies range in size from a half billion to 11 billion dollars in revenue Mm -hmm. and what we found was when we measured these three variables which is team leadership capability and i'll describe that in a second team continuity and team goal load we when we integrated those via an algorithm we were predicting, we could predict the outcome of these teams up to a year out, which is was wow. mind-boggling. Wow. Um, and you can, you can predict, just to emphasize, you're predicting what they produce, the impact they have on the economics of the business, not just whether or not they'll be around or be engaged, actually what they would do. Is that correct? That's a very important point because we were not looking at what we would call organizational effectiveness, how well does the team function? We were looking at outcomes. Hmm. And so you can have a very effectively running team, but miss outcomes, right? Right. And in part, what we saw was just there was not team leadership capability. You wouldn't get an outcome. So I think there's some huge lessons to be learned from the HR community that you can't assume you have a team that's going to achieve an outcome you need to measure for that. Sure. And, sure. and, and 
that seems really obvious, but we don't do it today. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and in fact, just the nature of your conversation, you know, we're talking about people analytics or talent analytics, and most would start with the data and they would talk about head con- headcount, turnover, uh, performance data, uh, engagement data, and talk about how it predicts uh, retention, uh, succession planning, uh, you know, th- things like that, that are more of an OE uh, bent. So what I'm hearing you say is that a lot of the historical measures that HR has been looking at, some might be appropriate, but it might not go in broad enough scope. It has to incorporate these downstream outcomes that these individuals and teams are impacting. And until that work is done, this idea of predictive analytics is not really going to hold water with a C-level audience. Um, We need to do that linkage to uh, downstream outcomes. Is that fair to say? Oh, I would say more than fair to say. I think it's the future. I think it's the future of people analytics. And that is, is when we went in and talked to all these senior line people, okay, one of the things came very clear, how they're measured, and how they view life, which is really outcomes, business outcomes. That's how they get measured. And they're very much looking for the community of HR and anybody in HR to help them with those. The measures that we that you suggested earlier, I think, are great measures. In fact, they were part of the measures in Fortellus back in 2000. But many of those really are measuring what I would call HR or OE. They're not measuring the business outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so there's a gap, if you will, between what they seek to measure, which is, okay, fine, we've got a great retention program. That's great. But is it driving outcomes and how do we know? And what I would argue is because those measures are focused on individuals rather than teams and then are aggregated with a broad-based picture, they miss the picture. And the reason they miss the picture is because you're getting business outcomes from teams but we're measuring for individuals. Right, exactly. And that's a, that's a very subtle kind of thing, but it's an inflection that if the HR community can manage and make that connection and then drive to business outcomes, it will change the world of HR, anybody who's in analytics. Now, you, measured, you mentioned another thing that I, I wanted to point out. We see data Today, a lot of folks do what we call data mining, and everybody probably on the call would understand what that is, which we affectionately call sifting sand, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're looking for the trends and connections that might be things that you want to do further research, et cetera. And that's if you have structured data, right? Yep. And some do unstructured data today, but there's a third pile out there, which is data that we know about, but we haven't codified it. And the question is, is we all know that, that um, the data pile from the first set, we're going to get about 25% of the solutions from that. And most people would say that we get a, a bigger set of solutions from unstructured. This third pile of, of data, yet there's even a bigger impact. And so you have to find out how part of the challenge is how do we get to the data and how do we do it very easily, quickly, so that we can do prescriptive answers to make changes to improve outcomes, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's part of the conundrum that we face today is, you know, 
um, you know, and it's the hope for AI. We just took a very different approach, which is we did extensive research, boiled the variables down. We know what we're looking for. We saw it across industries and size companies. How do we get to that data quickly? And then how does that change the picture for outcomes? Got it. And, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that, yes, we have this data that we can readily access that we're very comfortable with in HR. And oftentimes, while important, there's other data that we either have to go find or we have to create that is going to be uh, more appropriate or essential to telling the story of how uh, employee activity or team activity is driving outcomes. So there's that exploration creativity element that has been lacking historically in our practice. Did I capture that right? I think you did. An example of that for the audience is what we call goal load. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Love this. If you have a highly capable person, I think senior line management traditionally has said, well, let's give those people lots of work because anything they touch turns to gold, right? Yep. And I've seen that in my past uh, in HRN as a line exec. But what we found when we studied this is there's an optimum level of goals. And we also found that if the goals don't include a development goal for, for the person in the context of the team outcome, that allows them to see how they can play in the future, in other words, their future, that you're going to have a continuity problem, which is going mm-hmm. to drive team leadership capability down. So these, these three things are kind of interlocked, but going back to the measured, no one's measuring goal load or optimization of goal load. Right. And so that's yeah. an example of something we know about, but we're not codifying it. And therefore, it's not getting rolled into the data set. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how much I uh, celebrate what you're going after here because there's much to do about workforce planning these days. And people have been talking about it for a long time. And it's usually thought of on a systematic organizational level. And so there's FTEs being calculated and projected moving forward. But oftentimes, it's ignorant of our limitations as individuals. In other words, we're all constrained by time. And now we have people this day and age working, you know, job and a half, two jobs, you know, 60, 70 plus hours a week and it's compromising their health, their relationships and so forth. So what I'm hearing you say is that if we do this work right, we can effectively, for lack of a better way to put it, is right size the organization for optimal efficiency and individual health and improve the culture as a result. Again, is that a fair outcome to to seek in looking at goal load? Absolutely. I think it goes even a step further, Al, and that is is that, you know, how many organizations have we all been with where you look at the plate and the plate is enormous, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no consideration for what the goal load is. And so instead of having, uh, you know, 20 goals that we achieve in a moderate fashion, what would happen if we could understand that and then inflect either with contingent workforce members, consultants, or other, other uh, resources to achieve the 20 in a superb fashion? So I'm not even suggesting cutting the goal, goals down, but understand what, what it means to achieve an outcome 
in a high-performance way, which means beating it, versus an average way. Do you, how can you compete with another company if all you do is do average outcomes? Yep. That's not a winning strategy. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I, I can talk to you about this all day. Um, and, you know, conceptually, I imagine the listeners are going, yeah, I get it. That's, that's really cool. But how is this work done? And please, you know, if Pearl has a, a, a role in enabling this, uh, please share, because I'm really interested in how this can be brought to life. So not only HR leaders, but leaders in finance and operations can you know, take advantage of insight they formerly didn't have. Well, thanks for asking the question. I think the thing is, is Pearl Predict is the name of the software, and essentially it's software that we've designed based on the research. And I'll give you kind of an example of what we've done so the folks in the audience can hear. We were invited to come into a technology company, a, a very large one, multi-billion, launching a new product. They had 16 teams that were working on commercialization, okay? So they had the advanced technology done. They were going to ring out, you know, comparable parts and logistics and cogs and margin and all the other things that go into scaling a product to size. They were about three weeks behind in the master schedule. We applied the software in two weeks, up and running, and... What the data said was that seven of the 16 teams were going to fail. They were going to fail to meet their milestone objectives. And that was going to continue to move the master schedule and the launch of the product off. The software also shared why. Now, mind you, this is a, this is a, a company that is number one in their sector. Okay, so they really are high-performing. And what we found was that they did have highly capable people on all the teams, about 180 people in total of the, 100, of, of the 16 teams. But what we found was that they didn't have an understanding for the goal load or the continuity issues. All these were cross-functional teams. And what we saw was functional leaders pulling off a resource, putting another resource in place of that person, at the same level, but assuming that that would essentially carry the team forward, and it was having a dramatic and negative effect on the team leadership capability, and they were essentially missing their target. So they they were surprised, um, taken back, um, and to be honest with you, they asked us to leave. <laughs> they said, no, we don't believe you. Two weeks later, they called back and said, okay, if we believe in your stuff, what changes would we make? And we laughed. We said, sure, the software's telling you. They made the changes, and over the next four months, 16 weeks, those changes effectively made up the three weeks of shortfall and improved on the master schedule by 19.2%. The result was they released the product early, which generated $150 million. That's what execution's all about. Wow, that's an impressive story. And you mentioned this in, in that narrative, and you touched on it before, this, uh, this notion of continuity. 
Uh, and there's a lot of research in the sports arena, whether it be baseball, basketball, uh, that touches on this concept. Is, is that the, the notion that you're getting at, the, the notion of team continuity? Can you speak to that a bit? Sure. And, and continuity, Al, and, and we get into this when we actually train for the software, um, means different things in each of the different structures. In other words, functional, cross-functional, and virtual. So um, without getting too deep into the variables, but let's just use a sports analogy that many of us that are into sports uh, probably follow. That is, is the Golden State Warriors, great team, great capability. And, the, and, the, and all of us thought that they were going to win. They, they did a tremendous job. So in the last series that they played, what happened? Well, they had a Dream and Green drop off, right? And they had um, a Bogut get hurt. So the continuity of that team dropped, and therefore their risk probability of success increased. Yep. So that gives you a very simple example in a sports analogy, in a business analogy, because cross-functional teams uh, are, are at least the biggest model being used, virtual is growing rapidly as well. That would be where, let's say you have two people and, and a participant on a team is, let's say, an FP&A expert, a director level. And the CFO needs that person for different projects and says, well, I'll just give you a different director of FP&A. And the assumption is the same capability, right? same level, same capability. And we've proven that that's not the case, that the capability of the team drops if, you don't me- if you're not measuring that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, you're touching on the notion of relationship equity and you know, team cohesion, where there's actually some fluidity or flow to uh, their capability, and that's earned over time. Is that a fair way to get at it? Well, that's one component. But uh, when we actually detail measure team leadership capability, there are uh, 15 what we call success criteria that we use to actually measure capability in detail. So it can be replicated, it can be, you know, quantified, and it's all been regressed. So we know that the regression capability is there. But the bottom line is, is it, if you, let's say you have two directors and one has a capability, and, and let's say we're using a color, color uh, capability, green, blue, yellow, red, green being high, red being low. Two directors, let's say the one director's got green capability and the one you're replacing has got yellow capability. Now, this is not skill capability. It's team leadership capability, which is, again, tied predictively to future outcomes in a team. So when you measure that, if you're reducing the team leadership capability, you're increasing risk. Got it. Got it. that's, that's, That's clear. I like it. Hey, so yeah, as we're coming up, we got about five minutes left before we start to wrap. And yeah, analytics has various definitions uh, for people inside and outside of HR. And you know, there's the notion of HR metrics reporting, dashboard, predictive analytics, uh, you know, text analytics, uh, all this you know, Bayesian approaches, you know, all all this stuff. So there's a lot of noise in the space. Having been a CHRO. Um, does that underlying mechanics really matter to you? And what really mattered to you in that role? And related to that, you know, what do you 
find your your customers are gravitating to? I imagine just based on what you shared, it's not only HR, it's operations, finance, it's it's a variety of leaders who can take this insight and take action. So you you know what are you looking for, and what would you advocate uh, for a fellow CHRO who wants to create a people or talent analytics capability? Absolutely, great question, and I think it really depends on. A couple of factors. One is what's the maturity of the company and the line people that are there. I think when you're CHRO, you're basically trying to satisfy the needs of a number of customers, which include obviously the C-level board um, and other stakeholders in the company. So the challenge that I see right now is analytics is the nirvana, right? It's the hope for the future. Everybody's gravitating to it, and uh, the research says if you don't have it, you're in trouble. Yeah. But if, you don't, if you're not smart about how you approach that, you're going to end up in a quagmire of data mining and hundreds of data scientists in a big organization, maybe without outcomes. Yeah. And you'll suffer the criticism that many of us in HR have, which is great process but no outcomes. My avocation would be talk to your constituency about what is really key, and they'll tell you. I mean, you you, kind of have to drop your hat a little bit if you're in HR, as I did, which is be humbled and say, don't give me HR answers. What are the really core business things that you want that you think I can help you drive? And once you start that dialogue, you're on the road that really makes a difference, which is you're helping them be successful, which is helping the business be successful. Sure, you have to do all the HR things that we all do, you know, talent acquisition, talent management, but it's in the context of analytics that drive the business outcomes. Yep. You become a hero. So my answer is understand that. Don't dive into a big department immediately look at those selective right you know what i'm hearing just to recap it's about the discussion first like many are just holding off to have this beautiful piece of insight that they can jump up and down and and trumpet but you're saying hey start the discussion with your internal customers first find out what they want and need then build your initiative around those uh those goals those needs is that Fair? It, it is with, with one caveat, Alan, and that is when they tell you what they need, and if they come back with HR examples like, I need talent, I need this, force them to the business discussion. Okay, mm-hmm. you need talent for what reason? Well, because I've got this deadline for this project. That's the business need, not the talent. Right. Right. Okay, well, and I think we stop short in HR and let them get by by allowing them to say, well, my people aren't trained. No, that's yeah. that's not a business problem. That's a, that's an organizational HR problem. And certainly we have to address that, but the question is why? Yeah. Is it because they're not getting effectivity of outcomes? Okay, what outcomes and how do we drive that? Because otherwise, you end up in a in a place where maybe you're you're solving what they said, but not what they need. Mm-hmm. Yep. And oftentimes, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and I've heard CHROs and leaders in HR say we don't even know what questions to ask because they don't know uh, what's possible. Um, has that been your experience as well? 
Well, I, yeah, hugely. In fact, I think if if I can tell you my experience in talking to CHROs about predictive execution analytics, and I ask questions like, okay, so who's responsible for driving outcomes? And they, many of them would say, well, my line uh, counterparts are, okay, so what role do you play in helping them get those outcomes? And that becomes the source of the discussion. If they, if, if they say, well, you know, um, I provide talent, I reward talent, I manage and develop talent, those are all HR outcomes. Yep. If they need to move across a line a little bit and say, I share in the responsibility to, to get the business outcome. So if we have an M&A and the integration of the M&A isn't successful, who's accountable for that? Yeah. I, I no. would consider in my organization the HR leader has has a direct accountability for that. Absolutely. Hey, uh, great point. And as we're about to wrap here, how can uh, listeners uh, learn more about Pearl Predict? Two ways. One is um, we have a website, which is www.pearl, H like Harry, P like Paul, S like Sam, .com. Or you can send me an email at gtang at pearlhps.com, and I'm happy to field all questions. I think, I think there's a real hope and an opportunity for the HR community if they're willing to move across the line to achieve business outcomes. And we think that what we have, which is Pearl Predict, is one of a number of solutions that they're going to start seeing move the ball if they choose not to do that, then I think you're going to see line people adopting these solutions. Yep. They're, they're already asking for them. Absolutely. Well, Gene, hey, I super appreciate your insight. Super appreciate you being on the show today. Look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you very much, Al. And thank you all for listening. And uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. We're at talentstrategyinstitute.com. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Talent Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. For other podcasts and to learn about upcoming events, please visit talentstrategyinstitute.com.